Radio shows you love from the people you know. This is Sam Talks Technology. Thank you for joining us. My name's Sam Sethi. We're here on Marlow FM and we're talking with my guest today, Tom Foll. Hello, Tom. Hi, Sam. So, uh, Tom is a AI specialist. He's also a robotic specialist and security specialist. And we're going to learn a lot about Tom and what he's done in the past and all those things that are really up-to-date and relevant. Uh, we'll be talking about some things to do with the book of the week, which is Hannah Fry's book, Hello World, all about algorithms. We'll be also talking about a little bit about... Um, social credit in China, how everyone is becoming a number and being ranked and rated by the Chinese government. Also, we're going to find out a lot more about Tom and, and where he came from, what he's done, some tracks from his life. Uh, that will be great. Um, we're also, though, going to have a little bit of a quick half hour of news and uh, from this week. So I'm going to cover things like Waitrose has started trialling a two-hour same-day delivery. You know, what does that mean? Does Sainsbury's do one? Does Tesco do one? The new Google Hub's coming out soon. What's it going to look like? Should you buy one? Um, Amazon has eight new devices coming out in the next quarter. I'll tell you all about them and which ones you should buy. There's one which is an Alexa with microwave. Not sure I'm going to buy that one, though. Uh, The DOJ, the Department of Justice in America, is investigating Elon Musk. I think he's been smoking that weed with uh, Josh Rogan uh, too much. And uh, I think he's... um, Well, he's basically being sued uh, for a tweet he did, and we'll tell you all about that. The new Apple 4 came out, the Apple 4 Watch. Uh, I'm really interested in that. Tom uses a Fitbit. We're going to talk about, you know, is this the uh, beginning of wearables and what's what's good in the Apple Watch for? Should you buy one? Apple also just paid back $15 billion to the US. Why do they do that? Well, EU, not US. And why do they do that? We'll tell you more about that. Uh, there's lots more that we're going to talk about. Apple's new CarPlay coming to cars, so you can use new different maps. Twitter's making changes to the timeline. iOS 12 for your phone. It will make it faster, but how and why? And who's the Japanese billionaire who's Elon Musk is going to fly around the moon on SpaceX? So much to talk about this week. Tom, the news is Waitrose has started to deliver groceries in a two-hour delivery in London, which um, they have called the service, basically, uh, which is quite nice, uh, the Rapid Shop. Um, so it's in competition with Sainsbury's Chop Chop, which is their delivery service name. Um But, you know, so it's called Waitrose Rapid Delivery, to give it its full name. So Waitrose have partnered with a group called City Sprint, which um, they have a various uh, number of cars and uh, bikes even for doing zero emission uh, delivery. So we're not adding to the carbon footprint, which is good. Um, But they're reckoning that this is a a trend, uh, that people like to shop little and often rather than once a week. So... You know, obviously, you're you're a family man, you're a father. How do you and Janice shop? You know, how do you do your weekly shop at the moment? We tend to um, do one large shop for large bulk items, tins, and um, uh, that's about once a month or so. Um, The rest of the time, we tend to pop in and out of Sainsbury's, Waitrose, Tesco's, whatever the nearest shop is. So we do use the little local metro Sainsbury's and Tesco's quite a lot. Um, the the kids they buy everything online, so um, we don't yet shop via Sainsbury's um, you know, delivery or, or uh, Tesco's delivery, but um, I guess that's coming. Everyone's going to be doing it, and more and more businesses are springing up to deliver 
um, in very short time windows, um, particularly at the moment for fashion, but it will come, it will come everywhere. You'll, you'll be getting goods within a one or two hour time window. Yeah, I mean, I, I, personally, I use uh, Amazon Prime for a lot of my shopping online. Uh, I hate going to a supermarket. It's just like my childhood nightmare coming back to me. My mum and dad dragging me around the bloody aisles. Oh, yes, we'll have one of these, two of those, and then packing it into bags and dragging it to the car and then coming home and doing the same. Personally, Jill and I, we tend to get all of ours done through, you know, one of the various shopping online uh, providers. Um, Sadly, Marks and Spencer don't do it yet, strangely, which is the one that you would want, you know, around here in Marlow, I guess. Yes. But uh, they don't do that. Um, so we probably use Ocado or we use Sainsbury's or a mix of the two. Uh, we're not all Waitrose even sometimes. It just depends on the offer. But um, this this rapid delivery service, one hour, two hour, to fit in with your lifestyle is quite interesting, I think. I mean, your daughter Emily and your son Alex probably would use something like that if they were in London, I'd guess. Yeah, if it came out here, we we probably use it because quite often, you know, Janice will get home from work or I'll, I'll get home and we not we don't quite know what we're going to do that night, so we'll pop out and buy something. But if we could get something delivered in an hour, that would probably be quite reasonable. Yeah, and I think um, it's the way it's the trend I think that was going to happen. So you know, Tesco's offer this in central London as well as Sainsbury's and now of course Waitrose today. Um, but I think this is uh, them worried because Amazon in the US who bought Whole Foods um, offer this service in America. You know, you can, you know, get your groceries delivered in one hour, two hours over Amazon Prime now via Whole Foods, which if you don't know what Whole Foods is, it's, it's very similar to the Waitrose, Marks and Spencers. It's slightly the upper market level of sh home shopping for food um, rather than the cheaper end of the market. Um, so I think, well, this is my guess, uh, based on reading the tea leaves, um, is uh, that um, we will have, we will have uh, Amazon coming into the UK market next year um, and buying, possibly, Marks and Spencer. Personally, I think they could buy a Cardo because they, they would then get the network hub and the fleets and everything else. It'd be a really quick transition into the market. You know, they wouldn't have to worry about... Um, you know, buying a fleet, getting all that. And they, actually, if you think about it, if they bought the Ocado fleet of trucks, you know, then if you're ordering, I don't know, a printer cartridges and other stuff with it, it just chucks it into the back of the big car and, you know, they can just go around the areas that they're doing. So I think, I think Ocado, what do you think, Ocado? Amazon are most likely to buy. I don't see them building from scratch. It doesn't make sense. They do have the warehouses. The Ocado delivery network would fit quite nicely on top of that. Yeah. Um... I still don't get why Marks and Spencers haven't gone online, but that's, you know, that's not for me to worry about. That's for them to worry about, I guess. They're quite traditional. Uh, yeah, I, I, they, I guess they are, but, um, yeah, it's just they, they, they seem to, you know, they've lost out on the fashion and clothes space. They keep trying it, but it's not happening for them. So, um, you know, I wonder what they're going to do in the food space or are they going to miss out again on that one? Who knows? So um, what do you think? Because uh, the other one that uh, we heard this week was Amazon have opened their fourth Amazon Go, which is their cashless shop. Have you heard of these? Uh, yeah, I've heard of them. I've never tried one. No, there's, there's three in Seattle and they've opened one in Chicago now. That's why I've never tried one. <laughs> Come on. So 
I've never tried one either, so I'll put my hand up to that. But um, what's wonderful about it is you walk in, it detects who you are, you then pick stuff off the shelves because the shelves are uh, pressure-centred. So you can then simply go, oh, brilliant, I, I want this, this and this, you put it in your basket and you walk straight out. And it's no checkout required and they just charge your card that's on your Amazon Prime account. There's a... I've heard a little bit of feedback that um, they're not always that accurate. So I think they end up having to be very generous with the credit side of um, of what's going on. But that's part of the cost of, you know, they're, they're saving on people, so it's part of the cost of doing business. Well, you know, at the end of the day, with Elon Musk being the world's richest man with £150 billion, I I hope he's erring on the side of my side, not his side. So, yes. Um, Okay, we're going to have a little bit more music, uh, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the new Alexa devices and the new Google Home Hub. Uh, So those automated systems, do you have one? No, I've got a son called Alex, so I couldn't really... (laughs) (laughs) Keep shouting, Alexa! Oh, God. Yes, that would be good. Actually, I think you should just get one for the sake of doing that. (laughs) That would be even funnier. Um, I happen to have six Alexas, as you know, Um, so uh, I'll be very interested in what's coming out new. Um, And also, when we come back, we'll be talking a little bit about a new startup in Sweden called Mapillary, which is partnering with Amazon to uh, start to use Google, take on Google Maps Street View, which, interesting. Uh, I, I guess Google will have competition sometime in the future, so Amazon seems like a good partner to go with for them. Um, right, we're going to play your first track of the day. Um, we're going to play Rocket Man. Why are we playing Rocket Man? Ah, oh, well, Rocket Man is the first single I ever bought when I was a kid. It was my first wage packet, so... For me, that was sort of stepping out, you know, my very first um, big spend having, and it was at the time quite a big spend to buy a single, um, uh, you know, having gone out to work. Brilliant. Okay, well, enjoy this one. It's it's His Majesty Elton John. And Rocket Man. Zero hour, 9am. I'm gonna be high As a kite by then I miss the earth so much I miss my wife It's lonely out in space On such a time
fact is cold as hell And there's no one there to raise them If you did And all the science I don't understand It's just my job and John and it was a long long time ago when that track came out for you how long ago uh, years um, a lot of years a lot of years yeah that's probably 43 44 years ago wow so um, yeah quite a long time ago god I didn't think Elton John was that old <laughs> anyway um, so we're, we're here I'm with Tom we're talking about uh well, we've been talking a little bit about Waitrose's new rapid delivery service, and now we're going to catch up on uh, Google Home and Amazon. So uh, this week, October the 9th, is uh, a hardware event for Google. It's the launch of their um, Google Home Assistant, the update, and they're also bringing out the Pixel 3, the new Android phone they've got, to challenge Apple's last week announcement of the uh, iPhone XS, all very expensive. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Pixel 3 is going to bring. I mean, more cameras. It's got a notch exactly like the iPhone X. Um, so it's very much a mirrored phone. Uh, it'll see what the prices that they bring out for it. That'll be interesting. Um, but outside of that, um, Amazon, sorry, Google um, has got this Google Home Hub. Uh, and their new one, allegedly, that's going to come out looks like a, a slightly large iPhone, iPad. Um, 
So it's it's basically sits on a rocker, and uh, it allows you to say things like "Hey Google" and all those commands. Now, uh, as I said before, the music I've got six Amazons at home, um, kitchen, bedroom, study, lounge, all linked up to lights and bits and pieces. You know, I'm slightly technically challenged. Um, and that said and done. Um, I I chose Amazon over Google for a particular reason. Now, you say you don't have any at all. No. Um, tried voice automation probably four years ago, um, but didn't like it at the time. Didn't really understand me that well. So the, what I was getting back was garbage, basically. Okay. So um, that's a bit odd. Mm. Um, so, uh, well, if that being the case, um, then... I would recommend you get one personally, even if it's just one to try out. Just because, to train it. Yeah, they they are pretty amazing. They're, there's a gremlin here. Uh, they are pretty amazing uh, because they. I mean, the first time I ever had one was at Christmas last year, or the year before even, uh, last year, and I just simply said, you know, Alexa, play track X, you know, and it did it instantly, and it suddenly made me realise the alternative was to get my phone out go to a music app, look up the person I wanted to sing, then play it, then broadcast it to a speaker. So it doesn't save me masses of time, but it saved me enough time to think, hmm, that's interesting. Now, uh, Jill and I use it for our shopping list, so we just say, you know, uh, Madame A, because I won't get every put my shopping list onto someone's Alexa. Um, Madame A, add X to my shopping list and Y. And, of course, what we talked about five minutes ago is when Amazon comes to this UK country with the acquisition that they probably will make, I'll be able to then say, Amazon, you know, just go and buy my shopping list and deliver it. So I think that's the way. Google is more about um, finding and searching. So we always say, I'll Google this. You know, we don't say, I'll search this. It's become, you know, like Hoover. We'll Hoover up. We don't say, I'll get the... Um, uh, what, I don't even know what else I'd call it. The Dyson. Yes, the Dyson. I don't think... I might, I'm sure Mr Dyson would love that if we said it, but um, I can't see that catching on, personally. Not, not really, no. Um, so, that said and done, um, with with uh, the Google Home, I would not... I personally won't be going down the Google route uh, for two reasons. One, I don't think Google will be able to fulfil my shopping requirements in the future, unless they buy someone as well. Uh, but it doesn't look like they're they're doing it in the US. They're sort of generally providing Google shopping through third parties, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's not, I don't think... Well, the worry with me with Google is you, you, somebody who's gone down the road with various projects of theirs, they abandon them. They just, you know, oh, we're bored with that. Like this week, they've just dropped Google Inbox. So, you know, everyone who had Google Mail was moved over to Google Inbox for a while because it was a better ver- version of the client. And suddenly this week, they go, nah, we're not going to have that anymore. Gone. Google Reader, gone. You know, Google Voice, gone. You know, and it's just... So I, I personally won't invest into them. Um, but yes, I think personally you should get one, Tom. I'm thinking about it. The yeah. um, It's a bit of a step for us, really, because of the uh, four-in-a-house... Um, trying to work out who's giving what commands for what. We need to work out how it works, really, for us. But there's only one way to work it out. Yeah, Get let's one. Try it. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> You're a techie. I can't believe you haven't got one. This is this is. I'm a nervous techie. 
<laughs> yeah, it might be something to do with your security background, but the who knows? The security side does make me a little more cautious, yeah. Yeah, so I talked about uh, Amazon also coming out with new devices. Um, one of the... Well, they're upgrading the Echo Dot, the little puck that they have. Uh, I think I've got three of those. Um, they're updating in that. Rumours are that, you know, obviously better better sound, better uh, quality from that, but um, also they're putting a chip into the Amazon devices locally. So the way that Amazon works now is I say, Madam A, do... What's the weather? And it sends the voice command up to the cloud onto Amazon Web Services... They translate it and then send it down. It's a nanosecond, but it's brilliant, and it works. But they're reckoning that on people who've got poor Wi-Fi, of course, that doesn't work, um, and so they want to put a chip locally with an AI intelligence in it that will actually do some of the work locally. So that's possible what they're going to bring in the Echo Dot 3. Um, they're going to bring uh, subwoofers and better sound quality, so... One of the things you can do with Amazon is have multiple Alexas around the house and broadcast the music to play on all of those speakers, but they don't really have that oomph of depth of, you know, sub-bass and woofer. Yeah. So um, what's good to have is um, basically, you know, an add-on. Again, I've got a different music system at home, so I probably won't be investing in that. They're bringing a version for Alexa into the car, so um, I've got a device called a Rove. It's a little goes in my uh, cigarette lighter, and that's uh, an Alexa in the car. But because it's not actually linked up properly to the car, to the car, uh, you know, screens and stuff, so it works. It's really good. You know, you can do all the sorts of things. You, you know, play music, tell me the time, add this to my shopping list, remind me of that. But um, I worked it, on a system a few years ago which would allow you to, if you're watching a film on a plane and the plane lands before you've actually watched all the film, you can carry on watching the film back at home. Well, it went anywhere, but it was... Well, they did. It did. It was called Whisper Mode. And, oh, it, right. and it went into Amazon's uh, Kindle. So if you start reading a book on Kindle or you go to Audible and you start a book on Audible you can go back to the Kindle and it'll, it'll have the chapter open at the point you finish the audio. Yeah, I use Kindle quite a bit. Yeah. It's very useful for Check out Whispermo. Oh, That's okay. pretty much what you're looking at. So I think we've got some really... Well, I think we've got some real competition in the voice space. I think it's still early days, but I'm a big advocate of voice as the next uh, area that we all see. Um, so the other area that I think is going to be interesting to think about is... Um, search with it because i do a lot of you know tell me the traffic uh what's the answer to this question and i, I generally get it back i mean there's stuff that i don't get back but there's a lot of general knowledge questions that you just can ask and you get back and google's allegedly supposed to be better because amazon uses bing and, and obviously yes. google uses google um but if i search on a desktop or laptop or phone with google let's say i will get a couple of ads at the top 10 search results and maybe some ads down the side so that's how google obviously made money but on a voice system you only get one answer so what's the best chinese near me i don't get five answers i get one maybe you'll get the best promoted answer it may be the best promoted answer or will it just be the fact that it's the best answer that's all you know fundamentally we all just want one answer really anyway that's true yes you know, um, what time's the film on at Maidenhead for um, The Killing, right? I don't need 17 answers. I want the one now. 
I guess. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But Google's worried because, obviously, if more voice-related searches happen, they haven't worked out a way to amortise that yet. Does um, Google, if it doesn't fully understand your question, does it ask for clarification? Yeah, both of them do. So it'll come back and say, uh, don't understand that. But it won't say, can you say this again or can you repeat it? It'll just simply say, I don't understand. So... I don't um, develop for the Google Home, but I have developed for the Alexa. And there's only three types of commands. So Google Ask, Google Tell, sorry, Amazon Ask, Amazon Tell, and then I don't know. So it'll be, you can ask it a question. So fundamentally, what's the time? So that's the Amazon takes an ask question. And then it'll just, the response is, tell the time. Mm. Um, so you might say, uh, Amazon, what is the weather? That's the ask question. And what you as a programmer do is you take five or different variations of that question to try and guess what sort of um, speech would be used. Um, and if it falls outside of those, it then goes into a loop and says, I don't know. So you get more, it gets more intelligent because what you can do is take the transcript of those voices that you've got. So if you, I don't know, if you said it, the weather, Amazon, is what? You know, is, and that's the way you asked, which would be weird. But if that's how you ask for stuff, then, uh, yeah, fundamentally, that would be showing up in the logs as what the way you... And then you can just add that as a question. OK, so it gives you some structure. Yeah. I would be quite interested in an assistant that would clarify things. Right. Ask, uh, did you mean this or that? Yeah, so Amazon added and Google added uh, in the States. It's not been released here yet. Uh, and the ability to say, so you say um, Alexa, right, sorry for all the people with Alexa out there, but you say Alexa, it then triggers up and then you ask your question. But what Amazon have done is they leave the mic open now for three seconds after the question's been answered so that if you have a secondary question, you can just ask it without saying Amazon Alexa. So you could say, uh, Madam A, uh, what's the weather? Is it hot in London? Right, yeah. so it might come back with the answer and go, well, is it hot in London, without having to say the trigger word again. So they're trying to give the voice assistants a bit more intelligence, but right now, I fundamentally liken robots and AI and, and uh, voice assistants to babies. You know, fundamentally, you know, a voice assistant is great at understanding basic simple commands, but complex commands, it's probably not good at yet, and that's like a, a baby would be, or a young child. You know, um, as I said, we'll talk about Hannah Fry's book, Hello World, a little bit later. But, you know, if you said to a computer, work out pi to 15 decimal paces, it does it straight away, right? But if you said uh, to a computer, a robot, more likely, walk down those stairs it will find that a real complex challenge, or it's certainly to be programmed to do that. So, but as a two-year-old baby, I saw my child going up and down the stairs quite happily, but wouldn't know how to calculate even, you know, 10 plus 10, right? I, I was in robotics um, working on a robot chef. Okay. And it was a very interesting idea. Um, basically copied a, a professional chef, so you could have a meal technically made in the home that was... Um, made by a couple of robot arms that were part of your kitchen that came down and prepared the meal. The ingredients had to be in exactly the right place and they had to be exactly the right ingredients. 
or you didn't get the meal that the chef made. <laughs> well, you <laughs> get a very interesting meal. You got something else. <laughs> so, um, so part of what I was involved in was actually trying to solve the problem of getting the um, the closed loop so that you actually got what you what you wanted in that meal. Right. It, the right, right pots with the right ingredients in, in exactly the right place, delivered by somebody that had assembled them correctly according to what was available at the time. And did it catch on? It's it was it won CES the um, the global Compu- um, computer electronics show computer electronics show in Los Vegas. Angeles I think it was Vegas 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 and, yeah and um, it, it was best in show there um, and he then it's a Russian inventor very clever guy went and started looking for money as far as I know he's still looking. So there's a lot to this. <laughs> Sorry, my mind's got this robotic hand searching for money. Where's the yeah, money? Well, there is that. Where's yeah. the money? Yeah. Yes. I, I, I thought it would take off. It hasn't yet. I know, it's, it's far too early. It's, it, it's too early. It's a very expensive kitchen as well. It's probably somewhere yeah. around £70,000. There, there are robotic arms I've seen in kitchens in uh, San Francisco and LA where they've, they've got a burger flipper that uses an electronic hand. To your point, it's just ding, 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 bit of cheese, bit of bread, bit of burger, flip it, flip it, simple command, and the hand does it. Yeah. And I have seen those. Um, there are various other restaurants that are using minor you know, use of it to try and help with moving stuff around. But uh, again, you know, are we going to replace Michelin-star chefs with a uh, robotic hand that's programmed? Hmm, interesting. Well, you know, I, I, I personally think you can because, strangely... Um, I've gone on several cooking courses, and one of the things that the steak course I went on t- taught me was um, it's not about time, it's about temperature. So, yeah. you know, if you want it medium rare or, or if you want it well done, it's, it's about well, the temperature of the steak, so you have a little, you know, thermometer in it. And um, I thought, well, okay, it's more scientific. You look at Heston Blumenthal, you know, the fat duck, he's all about science of temperatures and not, less about time and stuff like that. So if it's down to a very a steak that you want um, medium rare is three minutes at 70 degrees, you know, that's probably wrong, but you know, if that's what it is and it's so calculated, a machine will do that just as well. Yes. The, a lot of um, cooking is quite repetitive. Hmm. So it's the repetitive bits that you can get a robot to do. If you ask a robot to be creative, forget it. It isn't going to happen in any time frame that I can see. Yeah, but I could imagine the chef being the creator of the meal and then the robot being programmed to deliver consistently time and time and time again. Exactly right. Yeah, that would be brilliant. That's what will happen. I want one of those now, OK, but I don't want to pay several thousand pounds. OK, so uh, the other, the last thing that... Um, I'll be on the beta trial. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, what would that do if it goes... No, <laughs> Anyway, moving on, moving on. Um, yeah, so... Uh, October the 9th is uh, Google's uh, big hardware announcement coming up. We'll talk a little bit more on the show after October the 9th about what was actually delivered. Um, And also, uh, Amazon is bringing out, we don't know the dates yet, but they're bringing out eight new devices, and one is a microwave with Alexa in it. Would you have that? Uh, Well, only if it had the arms so they could go and get the food to put in the microwave at the same time <laughs> no i don't think it's going to do that now I, I i sometimes i love technology but sometimes i think okay no step that, too far yeah i mean i i can see how it works so you get a microwave item and it, you you put it into the you know the amazon 
Alexa voice-enabled microwave, and you see, you can say just simply uh, Alexa defrost or Alexa cook, and it will work out what the food is inside from the packaging, and I guess that's how it works, and off it goes. So instead of setting it to three, so you might say, you could say Alexa three minutes, or you could say Alexa just cook or defrost. I guess it's just simply stopping you having to press buttons. I, I can see, you know, I'm, I can see the value in it, but I can't see the value in upgrading a microwave just for it. No, true. I, I, I think there's a, there's a downside to that as well, because you know, as a cybersecurity guy, my interests go slightly to the other side. So I can see lots of ways that you can use that, hack into that to, uh, to listen to people's conversations and get some really interesting information out of it. No, nobody's got that much that's interesting. Seriously. <laughs> People say that. Okay, look, we're going to go a bit more music. This one is your second track, Tom. Um, it's Jerry Rafferty in Baker Street. What's the story behind that? Uh, that was me at university, um, sitting there um, in the summer, listening to Jerry Rafferty as I rev- re- revised for my exams. And what were the exams you were doing? Physics. Oh, okay. And uh, what did you come out with? Uh, uh, only a third class honours, unfortunately. <laughs> Seriously, Tom? Yeah, I didn't What were you hard. doing? I was drinking rather a lot. <laughs> you clearly were. I have a dip. My daughter goes to university tomorrow and I'm taking her up and it's, it's a happy and a sad day at the same time. You've done it with Emily and, and uh, mm. so... Um, yeah, I'm. I'm sort of. Uh, go, I've got a deal with her. So if she gets a first, I pay for her loan. She gets a two-one. We go halves. She gets a two-two. She pays for it. She gets a third. She's paying me back for her <laughs> private school fees. There's no way. Seriously, mate, you were my child, and you got a third. I'd have serious words with you. I'd worked at a physics lab as well, so that was quite embarrassing. <laughs> oh my word. Okay. Well, we're going to listen to a little bit of Jerry Rafferty in Baker Street, and when we come back, we're going to be talking little bit about the social credit score in China uh, a little bit that uh, will ai and robotics and and facial recognition and tracking will that come here because we are allegedly got more cctv cameras per square mile than any other country in the world which is quite scary mm, anyway let's have a little bit of jerry and baker street i like this track i haven't heard it in a while
bit of Jerry Rafferty in Baker Street. Enjoy that? Uh, very much. That takes me back a long way. <laughs> Drinking in what, some, some <laughs> bar somewhere, we? Yeah, we had a very good junior corn room, so the beers were excellent. I spent a lot of time there. <sighs> Uh, I won't ask, I won't ask what else he got up to. <laughs> anyway, um, here we are, we're talking uh, on the show, we're talking a little bit about technology. Thank you for joining us, it's Marlow FM, it's uh, Sam Talks Technology, I'm with my friend Tom Fole, and we've been talking a little bit about Google Hubs, new coming out, we've been talking about Waitrose, rapid delivery. Um, there's a couple of topics I really want to cover off with you, Tom. One is um, Twitter is going to let you switch between chronological and ranked feeds. Do you know what that means? Uh, Yeah, roughly. Go on then, tell me. Good. So chronological means that you can... uh, No, in fact, I don't think I do. So um, I think you better tell me. Well, um, basically, uh, you've got an algorithm in Twitter. So... uh, a bit like the Facebook algorithm, it allows you to have a ranked feed. So based on how many likes on that tweet and how many people have retweeted and all that, it, it, it will, from the people you follow, it will say, oh, that tweet's probably more important than the one that's gotten zero tweet ranking in terms of no likes and no retweets, right? So at the moment, it's, it's a bit like the Facebook one. You see what Twitter wants you to see and only that. And same with Facebook, you only see what they want you to see. Half the stuff your mates are tweeting or posting, you don't see. Not yes. unless you go to their own Twitter feed and look directly at it. So um, in the early days of Twitter, we used to have, um, well, I've been on Twitter, well, I'll tell you the exact dates in a minute, um, but probably 10 years now. Um, and uh, one, one of the things in the, in the early days is you just have chronological tweets so literally as a tweet came out the next tweet the next tweet the next tweet and you just it was literally a stream of tweets now when there was several thousands of us only on twitter which was in the early days uh, that was pretty manageable because not everyone was tweeting a lot and um, you know so you get i don't know five or six tweets you'd love a look at them and then you get back to what you're doing and then there's a few more tweets would come in and then you go back and that was fine until we got hundreds of thousands and then millions and then hundreds of millions you know um, I think there's 300 million now, uh, people on Twitter, allegedly. Um, and that's impossible, then, as a chronological feed to just keep up. I mean, literally, if you go to TweetDeck, which is a third-party... Well, it's not third-party, it's owned by Twitter now. It was a third-party app. Um, you can see the chronological feeds done. And just, just, it's just literally impossible. It's just a screen of noise. Ongoing stream. Yeah, so... Um, Semantic will be very interesting. Having, bit, having the ability to decide what terms you're interested in. I know TweetDeck, you can do that. You can decide that you want to create streams that are based on particular interests. Yeah, or, 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 or um, hashtags, or just you can create your own groups. You yes. know, you can create your own lists. And I use TweetDeck quite a lot. So I have journalists, techies, uh, A-listers, uh, UK, whatever, whatever takes a bit of time to do, but once you've done it, it's not a bad thing. Um, so how long have you been on Twitter, roughly? I probably, I'm one of the, the sort of techies that try everything out when it first comes out. So I've probably been on it since pretty No, much. you don't. You're lying because you haven't got an Alexa. I haven't got an Alexa. Yeah, you're lying. I try the social media. Um, <laughs> and so I've been on it probably since the beginning, but I haven't really used it much until the past year. Right. So I've sort of switched away from Facebook because... Facebook is the you know, the world's largest um, monitoring system, 
so um, uh, it's still quite, it's quite dangerous but all of these social media platforms have got their um, uh, problems uh, for instance YouTube um, the algorithm that YouTube uses someone a programmer recently um, told us how the algorithm works and what it does it watches how much you watch a, 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 a YouTube a video, yeah. um, whether you watch it all the way, whether you watch five minutes, ten minutes, etc., and then it recommends other videos that are similar. So what this is actually doing, it's self-reinforcing feedback. It's feeding back to you. If you're an extremist, you get more extremist oh, content. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's extremely dangerous. What it's creating, what it's effectively designed to do is create social division. And I suspect the same is true of um, a lot of Facebook. Um, you end up in an echo chamber of your own content the content you were interested in you don't get too many opposite views um and the adverts will play the same as well so if the adverts are looking for people with a particular as the russians were doing if the adverts are looking for people with a particular interest um in order to target them for a particular reason they will you know they'll get fed that information and that yeah, I mean, it again. it's a reinforcing wheel, and both of them are. the alg- And that's the trouble with some algorithms. They, they Fundamentally, they're designed to do that. Um, they're, they're, they're more not designed just to give you that bias. They're designed to keep you engaged, to keep, you, keep feeding you so that they retain your attention. So if it's stuff you like, they just give you more stuff you like. It's like being yeah. in a candy shop. You know, keep giving them the sweets. That's all they need. Bang, 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 you know. Um, it's not deliberate. It's money-driven. But the consequence of it is social division. So it probably needs some form of regulation. Not quite sure what. Yeah, I'm not a fa- I'm not a, a, a f- advocate of regulation, particularly personally myself. But um, I can see what you mean. I think more of it is a case of um, it, users are beginning. This is just personal experience to get bored of Facebook and. Uh, to a large extent, I'm bored of Twitter as well, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, and they pull back from their usage. So you've seen Mark Zuckerberg and also... Um, oh, his, his memory's gone. It'll come back. The CEO of Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey. Um, uh, both of them are trying to redesign their social media platforms because engagement levels are dropping. And if their engagement levels drop, of course, advertising will drop. I mean, Facebook's struggling with the fact that brands are abandoning it because there's no real value in it for them anymore you know if you're a brand um and someone's liked your page fundamentally you have to now pay to get your posts still into that person's stream because it doesn't naturally appear otherwise all our streams would be full of brand related stuff and then we'd all abandon that anyway so they've got a real double-edged sword i think to deal with but um outside of facebook and that problem the, the the chronological feeds come back or is coming back to twitter so i think it's a case of uh, people say, look, stop stop filtering what I can see. Let me see what I want to see and I'll filter it myself somehow by removing people or changing people or whatever. I think, um, and that's a good thing, I think, f- for Twitter to give me both my, my ranked view or their algorithmic ranked view uh, and my personal just streaming at me all of it view. Uh, and I'd really like Facebook to give me that option as well, personally. There's a lot of bandwidth involved in that because there's a lot of Twitters out there. So. Yeah, there is, but, you know, bandwidth has become so much cheaper than it was 10 years ago I, and, and technology has moved on and I think their servers, you know, the farewell that used to come up on Twitter yes. when it crashed all the time because of 
so many tweets. I, you know, they've got a more robust background now to, to managing that volume. I think, it, personally, I'm glad that it's coming out. I'll say, I, look, I don't even know if I'll use it, personally, but I'm glad it's coming back for those people who might want to use it. I think it's choice. So, quickly, what is your Twitter handle? Uh, T-Fole. T-Fole. Uh, mine's at Sam Sethi, and, of course, here for you at Marlowe FM, we are at Marlowe FM, all on our social media. So, yes, we are. Um, we're going to go to the news in a, a minute or so, but, Tom, uh, we're going to tease people. You you became famous on Twitter very recently. What happened? Sort of viral. Um, I, I started... Is it contagious? Now are you fixed? <laughs> yes. I keep taking the medicine. Um, I, I um, started tweeting about Brexit, in, and, and in particular I started tweeting at a few MPs about Brexit. So. Right. What did you tweet? Um, well, one of them was... a. I, I, I tend to focus on the economic side, I'm developing an application that works on um, uh, economics. It basically allows robots to, to um, uh, do what we do and trade. Right. But the... Um, the reason I started tweeting about this was I could see that the economics is, is, has gone wrong, basically. Mm-hmm. The underlying economics that we're... It, what we call free market economics is too... Um, is broken. OK. So what we're going to do is when we come back after the news, we're going to find out what that tweet was, what was what happened as a result of it, um, you know, how many people reacted to it, what happened to your Twitter stream, uh, and where you've subsequently gone. And again, we'll develop that into what thoughts you've got. You're listening to Sam Talks Technology, the UK's number one technology show. At least, that's what Sam told me to say. Welcome back, Marlo. This is The Tech Show.
you go. Eternal Flame, the Bangles. Tom, what was that from? That was one of your five. That's uh, from my wedding day. So this was the song that we first danced to after the wedding. Oh, wow. We got married in a hotel in Glasgow, um, which at the time was quite unusual because everyone had to get married in a church down here. Yeah. Um, but, yes, that's... Um, my favourite song from that time. Oh, I know Janice as well. So, anyway, Janice, if you're listening, that was for you. That was for you. Okay, we were talking about you being a Twitter, uh, well, celebrity for a couple of weekends. So, so um, you tweeted out. What did you tweet? Why didn't you read it? Well, I, I, I tweeted in response to um, uh, Deborah Meaden's thread, um, basically, which was a bit of a conversation that had been going on. And, I, um, and it was in response to a guy who turns out to be um, a, a, a bit of a plant, really. Um, but um, I tweeted, Adam, let me present you with some comparative economics. So I was comparing EU economics with UK economics. And then you tell me whether any Tory, and I was one once, has your interests at heart. I'm going to compare the UK with our partners in Europe. Firstly, we were the fifth largest economy. Remember that. Actually, we still are the fifth largest economy. We've swapped places with France a couple of times. Right. Um, China's coming up fast. No, India's coming up fast. Rather. India will overtake us shortly. Good old India. Um, right, so that was your tweet that went out. And uh, your before that tweet, you had how many followers? I had about 500 followers. And... The weekend that tweet went out, what happened? I went up to 5,000 over the weekend and then up to 8,000 very shortly after that. Wow. It didn't take long. Now, I've been on Twitter quite a while and I scrape in at 4,000 followers, so I'm very jealous. Although, having said that, I don't really care anymore. I used to care quite a lot, but I don't care anymore. Um, So 8,000 followers. So I I read that tweet and then there was a tweet a number of tweets there was like a linked tweet with 10 and there was loads of charts and graphs and yes. stuff and then what happened you got invited to go and speak at some events and yeah I spoke at the Byline Festival along with some of the more famous uh, people that are normally uh, involved in um, um, Brexit discussions um, EU Supergirl was right. there who was um, Madeline Madalena I can't remember what her surname is Madalena um, Alba Whitewolf okay um uh, Dr. Goldsworthy, who's uh, a frequent speaker on on TV, a guy called Femi, who is uh, a brilliant lawyer, um, and uh, uh, a couple of guys who are there's a guy called Jason, who is one of the three men in a pub, who do uh, talks about um, trade and uh, they're, they're trade negotiators. Yeah, yeah, I've had them on people. LBC and and various. They're very good, very knowledgeable, very expert. Mm. So, um, tell people fundamentally as much as you can. So, I, I guess you're pro Brexit, or no, anti Brexit. Sorry, I'm anti Brexit. Yeah. I, I um, I've written a number of tweet streams. One of them, um, I, I, I concentrate on explaining the economics of Brexit simply. So, it, it's relatively easy to understand if you think of it as a tariff wall or um, a trade barrier wall that's being built around the entire UK and it costs money to cross in both directions, time and money, for any business to trade outside that. So when you're faced with a wall, the first thing you try and do is go round the wall. And you can go round the wall by moving your production to Europe or by swapping technologies so you're not actually having to 
spend time and money going through customs. Hmm. So you swap custom, you swap technologies with your your what were your competitors in Europe, so that they service your customers in Europe, but you service their customers in the UK. So these are the sorts of things that businesses are doing to react to um, having this trade barrier wall that they 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 can't cross. They're going to move around it, and that reduces the amount we export. We stop exporting as much, and as soon as we stop exporting as much, that's where our foreign exchange comes from that we used to buy all the goods that we buy. So the real effect of that is the exchange rate drops and the cost of goods rises. So we export less, we make less money, and we can buy less. But isn't everything that Mog and Boris and everyone has said we're going to export more to the rest of the world? Uh, it's impossible, unfortunately. There's a thing called the gravity effect in economics, which is that you always trade much, much more with the people who are close to you. Mm-hmm. If you look at um, the benefits of being in the EU the uh, primary ones are they're very close so we can tr- we can move things very quickly if there are no barriers and we can um, we have we have the same standards so there's no problem with moving goods around we don't have to have them checked to make sure that they don't they're not going to kill somebody um, and the um, uh, for services free movement mean that people can move around um, the uh, the whole of the continent very very quickly. I can I can have a guy in a customer in in, in Dublin or in, in Germany in two hours easily. So it, what we've done as a country, we were very good at actually taking all of these benefits that the EU provided and building companies around them. So we have a lot of companies that rely on fast movement of goods involved in just-in-time manufacture. We have a lot of companies that export agri- agricultural produce. Um, it's one of our biggest export areas, as is, as is vehicles. And that um, means... Yeah, well, uh, BMW just announced they're going to close the <coughs> mini um, factory for a week. For, for a week, over a month, actually. Month. For a month. And um, uh, Jaguar Land Rover, 80% of Jaguar Land Rover's product is exported um they're going to a three-day week hmm. partly that's due to the fact that diesels are going out of favor they do yeah have they haven't got an electric version yet or um anything like that it's a big car to put an electric in, in motor in well they? the audi quattro just did it yeah yeah they can it can be done there are there are elect, bigger electric vehicles around but it takes time to to re-engineer your product line yeah to, absolutely to, to do anyway that. so so pretty much uh you know well i think we both violently agree on on, on which side of the brexit fence we sit on uh, and, and i'm not going to have a brexit conversation here because that's <laughs> that's probably been done to death for two years and and nothing that you and i are going to say here today will probably change that sadly no. um but that's said and done um uh what are you up to today um, today, well, I've got, um, uh, we've just done some uh, rescues for a couple of companies that got hacked at, um, at Clato IT Security, which is my cyber security business. Um, so we've um, been doing um, a very fast recovery. Uh, 90% of the recovery from a cyber security attack is PR. Basically, it's making sure that you're not going to get sued by anybody. You're not going to be... Security theatre, as I call security it. Security theatre, exactly right. So um, we've done a few of those. Um, we're doing um, a number of quite high-tech migrations as well for companies and, and redesigning security strategy 
So um, that's that's fundamentally the, the business I'm working on. So, so on that note, um, the UK intelligence services have just been uh, done by the Human Rights Court in Europe for violations of the human rights law for their mass data collection on citizens. So any thoughts? Yes. I'm not a big fan of mass data collection for one very simple reason. You can do most of what we need to do in order to track the bad guys by looking at patterns of behaviour. You can't hide patterns. You don't need the data itself. So, um, Explain. There is software I use as part of the cybersecurity business that and it's network analytics um uh, uh, it basically looks at the packets traveling around on on computer so networks. The, the data on the wire the data on the wire it's reading the data on the wire and it's looking for patterns of behavior it can't see those packets they're encrypted but what it can do is work out that you know these packets are going in a direction they shouldn't have gone or these packets that link this known good uh, bad guy are moving to these other people that we don't we've never come across before the government's got these systems it doesn't need the group the root data so um but have you heard of the chinese social credit score yeah i have so you know um it feels like a arrow of trajectory that we're going towards you know we were talking off air you know if in 1960 you had sat down as a government minister and said how can we hack and track everybody on the planet you would have said, mm, let's build this thing called ARPANET and then that'll become the internet and that'll become the web. So now we connect all the computers up and then we'll give them this thing called a mobile phone. Now we can track everything they do as they walk around. And then we'll add a layer called social media. So now we really know what they're thinking and doing. And then we'll add AI and we'll add voice assistants in their houses and bathrooms and bedrooms. And then finally we'll add facial recognition. Bang, we, we, we've got them all. Yeah, you it, couldn't have you couldn't have planned it better if you're a government. It's one of the implications of where we've got to with um, with, with the internet. I was with a guy the other day, Roland Joffe, who's who was the thirteenth person on the internet. Wow! Um, and one of the founders of the internet, he worked with with the guys that started the whole thing off, um, and he gave us some very very interesting insights. St- the inside track of what was going on, including some stuff I can't even talk about. But um, but the no one's listening. No one's listening. Yes, but the um, the the problem is that at the time, no one ever thought that the internet was going to go where it's got to, or that security was ever going to be a problem. It was designed purely to be a resilient network in case of nuclear yeah. war, um, and it just grew and grew and grew. And by nineteen ninety five, when I started. I was on the internet before that, so I was a very early adopter of things like bulletin boards. Yeah. But um, uh, by 95, when I started, I built the first internet sales team in BT as a specialist services team. And um, that was right at the start of... Amazon had just started out. Um, and I met Amazon within weeks of starting that the flew over to open a data center flew out again the same day they were not hanging around they were definitely going places and that this was when they bought the english version of amazon that's why i know they buy companies rather yeah. than rather than build um they um bought the the english um uh, bookseller company and the funny story was that they were 
this bookseller company were petrified that they were going to find out their IT was an IBM PC sitting on top of a dustbin. They <laughs> <laughs> didn't care. Amazon yeah, didn't care. Right. They threw it away. When I was running Gateway Computers online business, uh, I have a, a little story like that. So Dell was our competitor, and they were absolutely doing the online thing and websites and gateway we had nothing so we literally came up one day and said well we we can say we're doing the same oh right okay so we we announced it and what would happen is you go to a website and it was literally an email form that you filled in somebody then pulled off and printed out this email form went over to an as400 ibm computer and plugged it in again (laughs) and then that's how the system was delivered and literally that was our online automated system it was a human printing off a piece of paper and re-entering that paper again. It was unbelievable, yes. I, I met a business a few weeks ago that is still doing exactly the same thing. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> yes, nothing has changed. Um, so, anyway, going back to where we were. So, yes, the social credit score in China. Um, I, I went to see Hannah Fry, which is the book of the week, Hello World. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's a brilliant, brilliant book. She's on BBC Radio 4 with a series and, and BBC iPlay if you haven't seen her. Um, and, you know, lots of great stories about how algorithms are, you know, have bias in them you know the people who are programming them can add bias you know uh, the shopping trolley uh, challenge which is you know if you're in a car and it's you know going to hit a group of kids or it's going to throw you off a cliff you know what would you want the car to do um, yeah. all those sorts of things and it was a great chat actually it was it's from um, a company called the how to academy if you've not seen them go online uh, I, I'm going next week to go and see Yuri Naval and Natalie Portman on his new book, uh, 21 Rules for the 21st Century, which, again, is a great book. And I've just finished that, so I highly recommend that if you haven't read that. Um, but uh, she was talking about this social credit score. And, I, I've, you know, obviously I'd heard about it and I've, I've been looking at it. And it is... Um, I, I, I still haven't, honestly, honestly come down on which side of the fence I sit. So let me, let me tee you up. Um, so the social credit score, the way it works is, um, it tracks all your purchases, your, your behaviors. So if you buy nappies, you get a positive social score added to it because it assumes that if you've got nappies, you've got a baby, you're a parent, you're a responsible person, bang, bang, bang. If you, however, buy too much alcohol or you play games, your credit score goes down, um, and they track you. So things like if you haven't put your tax returns in, if you have got parking fines, if you uh, cross the road when you're not supposed to, so jaywalking as the Americans call it, um, all of those negatives will be there. But even worse is if you then associate yourself with someone with a low credit score, um, your score goes down by association. Or if a family member of yours says something negative online that the, I guess the central government doesn't like you by association also go down. And what happens is if you've got a high score, you get access to trains and hotels and privilege. And if you've got a low score, you're not allowed to travel at certain times, you're not allowed to do certain things. It's it's the ultimate behavioural marketing, which I love behavioural marketing. I'm a massive advocate of behavioural marketing, you know, nudge. Um, so this, to me, is brilliant. I'm like, this is it. You know, I'm a techie. I want facial recognition. I want voice detection. I want all of this stuff. And then the other half of me is like, but what about privacy? It's a big problem where you've got an authoritarian society um, and you're trying to control the society by programming them. 
um, it, it's there is no good side to that. There is no way to. Um, but you say there's no good side, and I get that side of it. But you know, for example, people who haven't got uh, insurance on the road really annoy me, right? So if they hit me or, or whatever, I'm liable. Why? Why should I be liable? Why? Why can't they do AMPR tracking of these people and then they find them and use technology and find them? Well, we do already. So, but we don't. When enough. people have their driving license, they're not driving licenses. They're um, road licenses. Um, we we can see that using AMPR technology, so we can work out whether people have paid you know, paid their um, road tax and whether the car should be towed away or not. It is a big brother society. The problem you have is that what you you end up with is repressed social dissent people have got to be allowed to do some things that are different and if the the best way to correct society is through education not through control that's my view yeah carrot or stick i mean look i i I fall on the side of the fence where you know i don't want big brother because Mm. i can see the ability for it to be corrupted for example you know tweak an algorithm your score goes down suddenly for no reason you're now the bad guy not the good guy i mean you know i look at my credit score sometimes and i go how's that gone down why has it gone up i have no idea sometimes and that's out of my hands but if i want credit to buy a car or whatever i'm beholden to this score that's been created for me by somebody i don't know through actions that i'm not aware of so I, I, I get the negativity, and, but on, on the other hand, the, the, the techie in me goes, well, it's pretty cool, actually, you know, all these knife attacks in London, you know, and instead of stop and search, we can, we can use technology. And, and if that person there is looking suspicious and that's, they've done something, broken the law, doesn't need a policeman to walk past to do it, technology can do it. One of the new rules that's come out of Europe is GDPR, Global Data Protection or Regulation, data protection yep. regulation. Um, and within that, you have the right to be forgotten. And for me, that's a really, really important thing. If if someone's done something, maybe as a kid, um, that why should that stay with them forever? If someone... Well, you know, Judge Kavanaugh in the USA would be saying that. Well, he would, yeah, actually. That's absolutely correct. Well, but he's being held to a higher higher measure of um, responsibility for the office he's going for. I, I, it, it, for me, it crosses a line. Um, I think there is a need for some level of monitoring of... Um, behaviour to make sure that societies, the people are doing mostly the right things, they're obeying the law. But on the right to be forgotten, okay, I get that. But but equally, at the same time, who decides who's going to be forgotten? What what who sets the bar of what should be forgotten? The way it works is um, businesses can um, say what their policies on being on things being forgotten are. So the government will often say uh, you've got to keep records on, for instance, contracts for. 20 years, certain types of contracts, financial contracts, for instance, or you've got to keep um, records on credit card transactions for five years or one year, whatever the, the rules are set as. So that you, you do have certain regulatory obligations that businesses have to meet. But beyond that, um, people should be able to um, not have those details be used to target them, for instance, for advertising and things like that. It's the yeah. sort of... Um, uh, uh, feedback side that's uh, it's actually unnecessary there, is, there are ways to do this but we're still giving people privacy 
but also um, ensuring that they can um, find, you know, be found and find what they want with permission. Okay. It can be done. Well, we're going to have your last track. This is Titanium. Uh, it's coming up to half past. We're nearly out of time, actually, which is scary. Um, titanium, why Why this one? This was a, a track for me where I suddenly realised my kids had better music than I did. <laughs> yeah, they don't in my house, but anyway. Yeah, it takes time, but eventually I thought, this is really cool. So. Okay, so this is... Uh, David Guetta featuring Sia and Titanium. Bye-bye, Miss Sia. You're back to putting the curtains on. So it's been a a really good program today. We've been uh, talking a lot. Tom, thank you very much. Thank you, Sam. That That was amazing. amazing.